Hi, this is Sijan, and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. Welcome to another interview with Sonic Perspectives. My name is Samantha Buckman, and today I am joined by one of Extreme Metal's most prolific artists, vocalist and multi-instrumentalist, um, Ishan. It is fantastic to have you here today, and I am really excited to talk about the two EPs that you've put out this year. Thank you very much. You put out um, both Telemark and Pharos, which just came out a few days ago, which is fantastic. I have been seeing it get so much good reception from everyone. Um, what exactly inspired you to embark on this project, to have these two distinct and unique EPs? How did that get started? Well, first of all, I, I have, uh, when, when I look back, I have been releasing quite consistently uh, another full-length album every second year since I was 16. And now I'm 44. So uh, it was kind of uh, a good time to do something slightly different. Uh, and um, my wife uh, and creative uh, partner has kind of challenged me for quite some time to do something uh, more purely black metal related and hence the idea of uh, of doing something you know this distilling out the extreme elements of what i do but for me um, uh, i've given this some thought because because i i grew up on you know very strong conceptual albums you know from iron maiden and and King Diamond and Judas Priest and you know where or just the ebb and flow of a full you know album where the songs kind of combine into something greater than just you know their the individual songs. For me that is how albums are and that's how I kind of approach things that the songs need to level each other out you know and kind of create a full ebb and flow. So they're they're you know doing something just like Telemark for a full album, that would never be, you know, that would be too limited, I think, for a full album. And the same with, with Pharaohs, you know, something in that. So, so for my albums, there will be uh, more of a mix, I think. But uh, this allowed me to kind of go further in either direction and kind of distill out to be very, very specific. So um, for, for the Telemark EP, of course, and basically, I, I approached both EPs and at the same time I, I, I wrote them after each other but the, the conceptual idea was kind of conceived first and as with all my albums I have this black book where I write up what kind of album I'm going to make you know that'd be sonic references, lyrical references, everything and this time I just split the page down the middle and everything that was kind of my musical heritage, my cultural roots, my geographical roots, the folklore of Telemark, you know, the Norwegian language, everything was on the one page that went into Telemark and everything that was kind of uh, uh, foreign, new, musically, and, you know, e even the, the titles of the, of the cover songs uh, indicate travel, you know, something that is out at Rhodes and Manhattan skyline, you know, so it's, re it's really a, a mirror image, you know, of each other. And uh, I could, I feel I could go even further in each musical direction than what I would have uh, 
kind of approaching a full length album. That I sorry for the very long answer, but <laughs> oh no, that's a fantastic answer. So, given that Telemark was kind of closer to home to you in a way, both stylistically and in terms of your culture, what were the most challenging parts of doing Pharos and stepping out of that comfort zone? It was it was really just uh, not relying as much on you know the 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 musical parts of me that are more or less second nature you know that over the years i uh, i i guess i become quite confident in my my screaming style vocals you know the relying on heavily distorted guitars you know for my arrangements um you know so so and with pharaohs there's very little of that in comparison so i i kind of had to to build the kind of sonic textures with uh, you know from from a different point really and not really relying on my my go-to tools if you will so that was much more challenging and of course because this is just how music fans are everyone's going to be looking back at everything you've done in the past and comparing pharaohs to that and saying well what's this you know um so I guess, given that, how would you describe Pharaohs independent of all your past work in terms of the styles that you really preferred and I guess the sound that you were going for? Um, it, concretely about Pharaohs, I would say I, I picked out, as with Telemark, I, I picked out the, the cover songs that I wanted to do before approaching writing the original material. And that was, you know, part of the experiment. Uh, and uh, I think it would be easiest to in that respect, to, to explain the the original material of of Pharaohs in in light of the two cover songs. So basically, uh, the portrait of the cover is you know from a different different subgenre of pop pop music or electronic music, where everything is so quietly performed. It's such such a subtle performance, you know, and it's very it's a it's a very kind of repetitive and minimalist approach but sonically everything is at the verge of distorting so there's such a tension in there's a juxtaposition of performance and sound that is is something very unique i think but but still kind of uh, concentrating on 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 the a minimalist approach you know but where everything has a very strong texture and moving on to the manhattan skyline aha cover uh, where the which is kind of a complex song com, you know compared to you know the four bar loop repetition of today's pop music so so um, it starts out it, oddly enough in, in a three four beat uh, but it's kind of an ambiguous mellow slightly melancholic way but then it kind of shifts gear into a four four beat and with a really guitar driven rocking sound and then that goes back to the three fours and uh, again and to this larger than life style eighties chorus. So if you see <laughs> the the two songs really combine four kind of musical levels and textures within two songs, and all are uh, all these elements separately was something that I wanted to explore. You know how to approach arranging and writing the original songs. So these two. The, the elements of the two songs heavily influenced how I, I wrote the original material. Did that explain it? 
Yes, that was fantastic. And so given that you did start with these um, cover songs, when did you start the writing for both of these EPs? And when were you recording them? And how how long did it take them to get to, you know, finished product? Oh, that's, uh, I kind of can't remember now. I mean, the Telemark EP was very easy. That went very quickly. So, so, um, but I, 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 I had been starting to write everything for Pharaoh's, you know, before the Telmark EP was finished. So, uh, so they've been kind of ready for a long while. Even even Pharaoh's was totally finished before this pandemic situation hit. And and um, so I'm sorry, I, I, can't, I can't really remember. I probably spent a year or something like. I would do on the, because it's it's ten songs recorded and produced and mixed, even though separately. So so uh, that's usually the amount of time I use. Of course, they were intended as you know part of the project was of course they they were intended to be extended into the live scenario. So basically, I was um, scheduled to to headline the Inferno Festival in Oslo with my Telemark set, where I you know basically did the Telemark EP. In its entirety, with with uh, songs from my catalog, sharing that same extreme aesthetic, and then as a consequence of this, Pharos in in the autumn, you know, I wanted to do touring based on those aesthetics of my my musical output. So kind of doing two different different sets, you know, as extensions of the EP releases. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, you were supposed to. Um come to the U.S. for Prague Power this year. That was supposed to be mm-hmm. last weekend. Big bummer there. Um, and it seems like pretty much all of the summer's festivals got wiped out, and so did a bunch of tours going into next year. So um, I guess which one of those are you most looking to pick up again once um, concerts resume? At this point, all of them. I mean, uh, I, I was really looking forward to going back to Prague Power. Uh, we've been scheduled to, uh, with my old band Emperor to be, be doing South America. I was uh, supposed to be in Japan next week, I think. So, so uh, there's so many things. And this was originally, and as, as I'm sure many of my colleagues, you know, it was supposed to be a huge live year for me, both you know with my solo work, with the ECPs and and with Emperors. So, but we'll just have to try and make it up for it in next year or whenever you know things are approximating something normal, if ever. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of the festivals that you do in the summers tend um, are with Emperor, and a lot of the tours you do are still with Emperor. So, how is performing your solo work different than going on with the band? Like, how I guess how is it different for you as an artist to perform those two sets of your um, career? Uh, oddly enough, I mean, and th- this was um, something that I was uh, very curious about before uh, going back to back. You know, so sometimes you know. It, Previous summers, I've been playing the same festivals with both bands, you know, in the same weekend. So, so I remember we did the Tuska in Finland, and quite a big festival there. And uh, I was performing with uh, with uh, Emperor on the Friday, uh, and with my solo band on Saturday, and uh, on um, on Sunday, I think uh, Leprous with my brother-in-law played on Sunday. So we were like heavily my family was heavily represented that uh, at the Norwegian delegation of the festival <laughs> so no but back to your question honestly it's uh, it's almost no difference because um, 
even though the music is is uh, quite different at times and of course there, there are technical things you know to how we approach it and with my session musicians and you know emperor with the the most of the original band etc but but the experience of it is very very similar in in the sense that when when you get that connection uh, it and and you're kind of in that performance bubble uh, it doesn't really matter what the songs are because you're kind of just connecting with what the whatever is there that sounds it sounds a bit you know metaphysical i guess but but it's basically uh, i've i've learned to because as norwegian i think we're very uh, self-aware you know and but then i'm uh, i'm thinking that no one no one is traveling and paying for tickets for a festival or anything to to go watch me be self-aware on stage so i think i just have to leave that at the side and just perform the songs and let be be a channel for whatever energy is in there and uh, then i can cope with my own embarrassment if i screw up afterwards <laughs> so that's in that sense that's how i approach live playing in general so so it's uh, sometimes you know you get that connection going, and sometimes it's more uh, a regular day at the office. But um, it, it doesn't really matter which band. Hard to imagine that being another day at the office. <laughs> but for most, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, I actually realized there was one live performance that you've done in the last few months, and kind of that was when you were a guest on Shining's um, live stream for their black jazz um, performance. So how did you feel about that performing for a live stream rather than for a crowd? Like what was that experience like? And would you be open to something like that in the future? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, the, I mean, the Shining guys are good friends of mine. And, uh, and also uh, the organization be behind, you know, making that, that live stream happen. You know, the camera guys, you know, the uh, guys who, who set everything up so so it was all done very professionally which i think is uh, is key to to something like that that it's in this this day and age where we do a lot of live streaming due to the the pandemic situation i think the focus on on giving so keeping it very exclusive you know and and giving people you know adding up um, that uh, that whole experience you know, even though it's online. And I think uh, as a good example, I was watching the Behemoth uh, live stream, which was uh, so beautifully directed, you know, with kind of, you know, the way they were they were filling in the in-between, you know, where, where you usually have the crowd cheering, they filled it with, you know, emotionally laden kind of slow motion pictures and everything. It was just very professionally done and i think that is key so in in that regard you know there's definitely something that i would i would do if uh, if it comes to that and uh, i think shining did an amazing job and for me it was just easy peasy coming in you know last minute and doing the you know one song <laughs> a lot of waiting <laughs> well there are worse things to wait to than a black jazz show absolutely um, and so just one thing I realized I kind of glossed over is we talked about like the lyrical content of Telemark a bit, but not as much of Ferris. We definitely talked more about its design and its style. So could you, I guess, go a little bit into like the themes and the concepts behind Ferris? 
I guess it, it's very open-ended, and I, again, it, it's not impersonal uh, at all. Uh, but but it's not as obviously personal as I think Telemark is, you know, because that was so you know just singing in my mother tongue kind of thing. But um, but uh, Pharos, in, in a way, takes more of a a wider perspective. Uh, you know, lifting the gaze a little bit, and uh, like Spectre at the Feast is a very like fly on the wall perception of society, you know, st- stuff like that. But uh, in in general, um, I think what also why I chose you know Pharos to be the, be the title and and using the lighthouse as as uh, a symbol because it it kind of lent itself to what can I say some some musings. You know, because it's a it's a very strong symbol, uh, and and very to me very multi-dimensional, uh, both you know symbolizing, you know to to have, you know get yourself those goals, you know like these beacons and goals in your life. Uh, there's the element of, you know, you could be, you know, a, a lighthouse for for someone else or your surroundings, uh, but working at the lighthouse, you know, you, you know tradition. You know, it's it's one of the most solitary things you can do, because it's often uh, this kind of beacon of light, but at this cold rock in the middle of the sea. Uh, but when reading up about Pharos, you know, the, the one of the wonders of the world, uh, the the lighthouse of Alexandria, I I realized, you know, the the kind of military strategic element of the controlling the lighthouse that was very important because and metaphorically speaking i think it thought it was interesting because it's not just about what you invite to your shores but it's also when you turn it off and you kind of have control of what you invite in and not so so yeah that's that is the overall cinematics i think some musings around the different perspectives of that well, that's really interesting. That does have a lot of dimensions to it. And that definitely makes me want to go back and listen to it again to <laughs> pick it out from all those dimensions. Well, thank you again for your time this afternoon. I am sure that you are a very busy person, but it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Likewise. And thank you for, for taking the time to you know, give me some, some space for your listeners there. And uh, yeah, I, I guess it's afternoon where you are at. So Yes, it's um, pretty early afternoon and I'm sure it's night there. So I mean, Thank it's you nine, nine, o'clock, nine o'clock in the evening. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, but, no, but I, I started into use at seven, so that's fine. <laughs> Long night. It is what it is. I mean, the, the alternative is worse, right? When no one's interested. <laughs> I'm sure they've been knocking down your door to get interviews. I'm, I've been very privileged, very much so. Well, and I hope thank that you so continues. Much. Yeah, no, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. You just heard an interview with Ishan. For more interviews like this one and much more, be sure to follow us on Perspectives on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be closing out today's interview with the single from Pharaohs, and that would be Spectre at the Feast. The practice of harmony is a delicate thing. The tension preceding the bow and the string. It's just how you phrase it. It's not what you mean The auto precision Will keep your cuts clean Until the day You're faced with a beast That no one can tame 
not what you 